Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast, uh, presented by no one at the moment. I believe we are we're sponsorless. It's just Max Gorn and myself today. We're going two up. Our fearless leader and host Alex Clements is gallivanting around Italy somewhere. He, um, he he's too busy to dial in. So Maxie and I are going to take the reins and and um, bring you a wrap of of the Tour de France. Max, welcome to the podcast. This is the first time you and I are going two up, so it'll be interesting to see how we go. But I'm pretty confident we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. I'm excited, Cambo. You got me on game day. Uh, I'm over here in Perth, leading into Friday night game against Frio. Um, we were going to wait for uh, Alex, but um, every other podcast has managed to get their tour review in, and we were going to wait till next month by the sounds of things. So yeah, it was um, going to be late. Yeah, we've had to jump in because I've got. I just I need to talk about Movistar at some point, and I feel like this is the best platform to do it. Let's um, let's get straight into it because there is going to be a few teams that are going to absolutely cop the wrath of, of yourself in particular. Um, and with Alex here, I feel like there's a little bit um, a little bit more leaf for us to, to really dip into people. I know Bike Exchange is one of his, his boys and they actually did well. So they were going to be safe from, from the sword. But there's some other teams which we'll get onto shortly. But I guess we'll start at the top. We'll go through the list as we did on the, um, on the preview. UAE, um, I think we, we, we said anything that was less than a win was probably going to be slightly under par and that's that's stiff um but when you've won the tour the past two years and you got pogey on your team nothing is going to be um you know satisfactory besides a win and they came in with second they gave it a red hot crack but in the end they were probably just beaten by the, the stronger team thoughts yeah they do. i mean they ended up getting was it three stage wins to pog um, who is coming across as easily one of the best cyclists that we've been able to watch, him and Woot Van Aert are on a completely different level. Uh, but losing uh, four teammates, all for different circumstances, Rafa Micah with that amazing uh, quad injury off the bike, um, uh, Soler, George Bennett, uh, Langan before the tour really even started, and then Hershey I don't think was there. I, I, I actually didn't get much TV time seeing Hershey at all. Um, so he had Mikel Berg, who put together one of the best rides I've ever seen Mikel Berg do, and uh, Brandon McNulty at the end, who then made Mikel Berg's ride look second par compared to what Brandon McNulty did on that stage. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, they they go. There's there's a clear top group of um, the first three teams, and UAE are definitely in, the, in in there. But it probably goes down as a fail losing losing the tour. What was Mark Hershey doing there? He was was he a late in for someone? He looked just yeah, way off the pace. Late inclusion for Trentin, I believe. Um, I'm not sure what Trentin would have been able to do. I think he was there for the Paris Roubaix uh, stage, which Pog didn't really need anyone because <laughs> he had he had Betty Ol from EF doing all the work for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not sure what, uh, but like Soler, McNulty, Micah, Bennett, that was good. But if you take out in the end, three of them, yeah, there there is holes in that team. But, um, yeah, I, it's no fault of Pogs. He gave it his own. He just ran into a better climber. Do you think that he maybe did a little bit too much in the first the first week? I, mean, I know there's been a lot of commentary around that, that he was racing too hard and it came back to bite him. But do you really think that even if he kept his powder dry, he was going to be able to go with Vingegaard on those 40-minute climbs? Yeah, well... A lot of the commentary that I was hearing there was Vinegard was always going to have him on those climbs, basically from uh, last year's tour when he was able to drop him. Um, 
Vinegard looks like an elite climber. I don't know how he's getting the results he is on the TTs, but he mm-hmm. looks like a pure climber who's going to be hard to uh, keep up. He's extra 10 kilos, I think, Tadej, um, which is producing a whole lot more watts up those climbs. Yeah. No, nah, I'm at risk of him ever listening to this and then going, oh, no, that captain from Melbourne said I should stop attacking. I'm going to make sure I don't because it's great to watch. Yeah. So where do you, where do you give him score-wise? Three stages, second on GC. Undermanned. It's, it's funny. They're probably they're probably a birdie. They, I mean, what's that? That's a five in my rankings. A birdie in your rankings. Um, they managed to get second on GC in three stages. You had an eagle as two stages in GC. So, um, I'd say a five. Okay, I'm going to have to give him a four. I, I, I was hard and fast on the fact that if they didn't win, it was going to be. Slightly under, so I'm going to go with a four, which is um, which is incredibly stiff, given the given the results they put forward. Yeah, I've, I'm, I get results, but surely like sponsors can be happy with like Brandon McNulty dropped the whole peloton, mm. like the whole peloton, apart from uh, Vinny Vinegard and Pog. Like that's amazing. I know it does nothing and it doesn't do much for McNulty, but. That's great. And Pog went in three stages, all one climbs, finishing in bunch sprints, like randomly six. Like he was good to watch. Yeah, he is. He's always going to attack, which is which is good for the sport. He's not one of these boring sort of types. Jumbo, um, is this the most dominant performance that we've ever seen? Six, six stage wins, GC, green jersey, polka dot. And I think they had the yellow jersey for a combined of 15 days with Wood Van Art and Vingegaard. It's a seven. Can't be anything else. It's a seven. And we were talking pre-tour. Yeah, we get you've got a good team, but in the end, you've still got to be able to get your leader to go toe-to-toe with Pog. But the, they 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 said they the, the team thing worked. Like, weirdly, Pog was following Rog, as we talked about. I don't get – maybe that's where he did stuff up, just following to Rog's attacks. Um, but, like, oh, Van Aert leading out Laporte, Van Aert winning the TT – um, Sepp Kors doing the stuff he was doing, Van Hoydink doing the stuff. He, like it was crazy good from Yumbo. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the stage wins, uh, how many they end up getting. Do you know? I think it was six. Where six. do we go? Van Art, Van Art, Van Art, Van Art, and one for Laporte. So everyone chipped. I mean, yeah, I was getting ready for like randomly for them to start riding for Kruiswick uh, to win the bunch sprint in in, in Champs Elysees. He wasn't there, but he was going to come back. Like they just they were doing party tricks. Yeah. I sort of when I saw Van Art on the front in stage nineteen, I'm like, this is a setup. This is a setup, and Laporte yeah. just rides rides away. Um, yeah, mighty impressive, and it was like they um, they had their days to be good. Sepp Kuss was good only really on two days but it was two days that he really had to be on. So it was like they had everything planned. And to think back to that Paris-Roubaix stage where it was all going incredibly pear-shaped, they had guys all over the road, um, Roglic crashed, Vingegaard was off the back of the group. And I think they only lost maybe 20 or 30 seconds to Pog on that day where it could have been a lot more. Um, yeah. People were coming after them then, but they managed to to get it all back on track. And uh, yeah, like I said, off the top, I think that's the most impressive performance by a team in, in Tour de France history. We have to talk about the best cyclists in the world to be able to, in the Paris-Roubaix stage, uh, obviously save time for Vinegard. 
um, to multiple times getting in the break and helping out. And then when he was his chance to actually ride in the GC group and be a lead domestique, he dropped the whole group, but G, uh, Gerard Thomas and Pog and yeah. McNulty. Yeah. Like he was dropping uh, David Gadu, Roman Bardet, like Van Art. we're talking about. Yeah. This is crazy. And I'd love to see him just rip it up and go for yellow one day. Because then it would be like ultimate tour where like the climbers have to get all this time back on this guy who's just going to dominate the flats like yeah uh, yeah. it's exciting that was an exciting piece of cycling from from Woot Van it was like he never ran out of tickets it was like that day that he dropped everyone into the TT tomorrow he's going to be completely pinned he'll be no good comes out wins the TT and it was surprising in a way that he didn't have a gallop on on the shops but I think it showed that he he really wanted to be part of that yellow jersey celebration and get that photo crossing the line with with the team, which was nice to see. When did he? I must have missed when he became a forty five second better time trialer than Filippo Garner. I, yeah. I think I, I think I missed that. Well, it's it's weird because Garner came into this as was probably the favourite at, at the start of the tour anyway to win the, the win the prologue and win the the TT on the last day. But even that day that he was in the break. Um, where Pedersen won, he was as soon as Pedersen attacked, bang, he was done. So maybe he didn't come in his top top nick as we've seen in the past. When he comes into a Grand Tour, he just tortures the TTs. Um, it was a little bit different, different this time. Um, Ineos. I mean, they gave us what we expected. Uh, we weren't sure which one of their three leaders would finish third, but we had a feeling that one of them would. Um, and it ended up being G, which I actually think is a good story behind all this. Um, Yates, he ended up mediocre in 10th. The stage win helps their score a whole lot, Pidcock yeah, stage win. Um, and almost the emergence of Pidcock. You're sort of looking afar saying, how's Ineos going to get back into the picture um, with this GC stuff? Looks like Rog actually could be on the move to Ineos. Uh, I, I, I saw that on my Twitter feed, but okay. Pidcock could be their guy and Bernal if he ever comes back. So... Um, they're still sort of got a pulse there in the GC race, but mm-hmm. um, lackluster, lackluster apart from Thomas and Pidcock, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Thomas was super. He didn't really do anything he couldn't. I mean, he's just that sort of rider that he's going to diesel on those climbs. And it was nice to see, actually. We talked about his form in, in Tour de Suisse that showed that he was in top nick. And if he can get through that first week and attack the second and third week, um, it was always going to be a chance, but he was just not really quite on the level. But a podium in the Tour de France is, is an incredible result at the age of 36, I think he is. Um, he's getting yeah. on a bit now. So you're right. I think that stage win from Pidcock probably bumps them up from a probably to a, to a five and a half, maybe even a six, given the expectations that we had on them at the start of the tour and the cattle that they had. Yeah, and the, yeah, I'm I'm agreeing. Probably a five. They, this is what I thought was going to happen with Yumbo with power and numbers, but randomly have one in tenth, one in seventh, and one in third, which is what mm-hmm. they had majority of the time when Pidcock was in the top ten. Yeah, and you're sitting there, but none of them could attack because they're at threshold the whole time. Yeah. Um. So Yates almost we didn't see in the front group for the whole race and manages to come tenth. So that's power and numbers when you don't actually have the power. Yeah. Um. They were always present. Luke Rowe, Cachavillo, these sort of guys. Martinez were always at the front of the peloton, mm-hmm. keeping keeping G safe. Um, yeah, but hopefully Egan, Pidcock, all these trade rumors of Roglic brings these guys back, and then we have a three-peat right up the front. AG2R, they lost their, their GC man in Ben O'Connor pretty early in the piece, and 
they managed to change it around pretty quickly. Youngle's got that stage win. Um, famously, you were you were on that. So congratulations to you. Um, but besides that, they were they were fairly quiet. Youngle's was sort of sniffing around that top ten at, at various times. I think he finished where was it twelfth at uh, forty five minutes down. So he was he was climbing on that in the front group towards the third week, but it was sort of too little too late in terms of GC. But I think that could probably be a success for them getting that stage win with um, with O'Connor going out. Yeah, they ended up losing five riders. And in one of the last stages, I think 18 potentially, they had all three riders in the break. Um, in Youngles, Cosnevoir, and De Wolf was the third of the guys that were left. Um, Cosnevoir, I don't know what's happened. He's completely fallen off yeah, any sort of form right. that we've been able to see. Normally, he's in those sort of finishes with Matthews and Van Aert and um, whatnot. But no, he's he's lost the legs. Bob Youngles does what I, I like um, when you're not quite there on GC. Lose time, win a stage, then hold on to GC. Um, I feel like more people should try this. Like an Enric Mash should mm-hmm. lose time, go out, win a stage, then get you. Then you can finish 11th still. You can still yeah, do what you did. Exactly. Um, so I don't mind the way Bob Youngles did it. And he did it because of Ben O'Connor um, obviously going out. He'd lost time and then realised he had leagues. What are you going to give him? What's the score? They're just a par. They're just a par. They won their stage. Is it a four or five? Uh, four. Four. Bora. I mean, they've, they've finished with the top five in, in Vlasov, but I mean... <laughs> We all know how hard cycling is, but this is probably the most <laughs> underwhelming top five in the Tour de France, maybe of all time. Um, he was off the back, it seemed like, every stage, and then he got that one stage where he got in the break, got that little bit of time back, and then he was just sort of bleeding all the way to Paris. But nonetheless, the top five in the Tour de France is still, still a super result, and people won't remember how far off the pace he was in, in five, ten years' time, even probably in I tipped him for third and I'm still, oh, I'm not sure if I'm happy that I got close to getting it right because he wasn't actually that close. But um, the crash early on didn't help Vlasov. But this star-studded team, unfortunately, got caught being a GC team in the first week. Um, Leonard Kamner probably spent his tickets in the first week and then went away with COVID, I'm pretty sure, at the at the second rest day. Um, but Conrad, Groshartner, Shackman, they all went in break. Shackman crashed as well, so it wasn't helping him. They all randomly rode for Danny Van Poppel one day and he is not the bunch sprinter that he thinks he is. And Niels Pollard, who was the strongest man in their team, couldn't get over the line in one of those final stages. So, yeah, yeah, they, were, yeah. They, were, they were the king of almost. Everyone, if you're a punting man, you're picking Bora and every one of those climbing breaks, you just try and find one of their riders. But they just, yeah, they're all slightly away from it. And that's disappointing for Bora. They've got an exciting team going to the Volta. It's like the best of the two teams combined going to the Volta. So... Um, they have been good this year. I'm looking forward to Hinley, Bookman, Kelderman, Conrad, uh, and I think Groshartner. So there's like five climbers going to the Volta. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, they were 70 metres away from the stage win with Kamner when uh, when Pogi and Vingegaard came over the top of them. So they got super close, but you're right. That, that sort of team there, you expected them to jag a stage win the amount of times that breaks were going to the finish. The top five on GC, though, you know, on the result sheet, probably salvages their tour. So it's probably um, it's probably a four for me. I think it's it's a pass. It's a four, but that's the last rating I give for a, a mediocre finishing in GC. But mediocre, sorry, fifth. But anything lower. So when we get to DSM, 
Um, and uh, international one they they might be a little bit harsher. Mm-hmm. Quick step. They um they started out red hot, and then that was probably that was the end of their tour. As soon as they left Denmark, they were sort of just just warm bodies going around Paris. We had them down as as par being two stage wins. They they chalked that off straight away, and then the queue was in the rack as as we as we expected. Um, Jakobsen, they got in the press for him getting into that time finish, 10 seconds to go. That was sort of the highlight for them. Uh, same as Morku, he missed time cut. A bit of a story there. But besides that, that was um, that was sort of all they did. Yeah, and unlucky with the way the scheduling was and injuries with Alaphilippe and Remco because mm. I feel like that's what lights up their second and third weeks. They didn't have, um, apart from Cataneo, probably the only one that can actually climb in that group. Um, and then Casper Asgreen leaving after the Danish stages looks like he was just there to go ride in Denmark um, with a sore knee. So Florence Senchel was the man doing the bunch sprints because Jakobsen couldn't even get through flat stages uh, towards the end. He was absolutely cooked. Uh, so yeah, disappointing past day three, but the first two days were unbelievable. They held they held yellow, um, and and Jakobsen won his stage. So they're. They, they, they do get that that four, um, but <laughs> I spoke about it in day two uh, in the second day uh, rest day is maybe when they're going a lackluster, no climbers, no Remco, no Alaphilippe, maybe the two sprinters could have been an idea and, and Cav and Jakobsen could have split. Obviously, Jakobsen would be running hot early. Cav has two legs, can run hot late. Maybe it wasn't that bad of an idea to potentially pull. It's not a bad idea at all, considering that no one else really had any anything to do, any sort of real role. I know Morku was there to, to do lead-outs, but it felt like everyone else was kind of making up the numbers a little bit. And they did have that opportunity with the late-out of Tim de Klerk to bring Cav in. Um, I'm sure if they had their time again, they'd, they'd like to bring him in. He's got the old legs. He would have got through the tour, no problem. So, again, they got their stage wins, and it's, it's a par. It's a four. I actually didn't see Lampart after he lost the yellow jersey, apparently finished the race. Uh, he was there the whole time, but he yeah, didn't get it, no, no, no TV time. He was there clapping Jakobsen over the line. That's the last I saw yeah, him. Yeah, and yeah. only did I saw of him in the last 18 days of the Tour de France. <laughs> um, all right, Knives. Knives are starting to come out here, I reckon. Movie star. What were they doing? I know Mass was there or thereabouts. They did this sort of team attack on... Uh, Stage 17, I think it may have been. But in the end, my man, who I was backing for a top five, I, I really thought he could do it. He just wasn't up to it. He just wasn't up to the level and there was no one else that was giving him a chop out. The, the way I saw that team attack, I forget what stage it was, but I just felt like they got to the front because they wanted to ride a bit of a quicker tempo because of a dangerous man in GC like they always do. Someone was going from ninth to eighth or something. Yeah. And and Yumbo and UAE just said, oh, well, we're not going to jump on their wheels. And then they like, accidentally had to attack and then mass randomly sat a middle in front of the group for a while. Um, this is really underwhelming because mass ends up not finishing, but even if he wasn't not finishing, he was finishing 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to give him like there, they've got, a, they've got something there with Matteo George Jensen. Cause he's possibly, I'm not sure who ended up winning most combative, but probably was Wout Van Aert, but your, your Jensen was, would have to be second or third. He was in, a crazy amount of breaks and looked like a really, really accomplished rider when he was in them. So I can be really harsh, but um, your Jensen and Verona gave us more than what B&B did. So they, I know there's a whole bigger budget with Movistar, 
but Movistar have always been a Volta team. And you watch Valverde will be there and they'll be all in for Valverde. So. <laughs> yeah, Jorgensen was good. That uh, The stage that Hugo Hall won, he was sort of in between a rock and a hard place with Woods there and Hall up the road. He had to risk it all on that downhill. We crashed. He got back on the bike and he kept pushing on. So you're right, actually. I, I maybe came in a little bit hard there. He was, he was a, a shining light in what was otherwise a pretty disappointing tour for them. And without Valverde, this is a really ordinary list that they've suddenly got together. Really, I just got no no guy like the other two guys who can win stages are like Aaron Buru and Garcia Cortina, who like they're not there as well. So their three mm. like best finishers all aren't at the tour. Is it a two or is it a one? It's a one. It's a we can't give our twos because George Jensen crashed on a descent and might have got Hugo Hill. Or because Mass was kind of there at times. I think you're right. I think it's a one. It's got to be a one. Well, think about what 11th was. 11th is literally the last spot of the guys that were trying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so who, yeah, I think, yeah, Mad, I think Madwa, is Madwa 12th? Uh, Madwa's is 11th. Yeah. So he was 12th before Mass crashed out and he was not trying. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lewis, Lewis Leon spot. finished 14th on GC. Yeah. <laughs> Leon Sanchez at 45. <laughs> um, Coffee Dis. No stage win for them since 2008 with Silva and Chavanel. So we're coming up on 15 years. Continue to get the invite. I know they're a big you know, French team with a lot of history. Obviously put a lot of money into the sport. But um, we know Guillaume Mata there. I know he started. He went home. I don't know what stage it was. They didn't do heaps except for your man, Benjamin Thomas. Got very close with the assistance of the Motos. Um, so that was nice to see. But... That's really all I remember of, of Coffee Dis in this tour. Well, they they played a massive role in the King of the Mountains uh, with Simon Geshka. Uh, and I think second in King of the Mountains is almost like, oh, yeah, well done, Coffee Dis. Come back next year. Like, it's almost there. You know what? Um, it was nice to see Geshka not win it. He was he was not – he was nowhere yeah, near the best climber there. You know what I mean? I'm it a was, big believer that it shouldn't go to the GC guys, but it also shouldn't go to a mediocre – um, climber like if it goes to Thibaut Pino, we go, Yeah, he probably was king yep. of the mountains. But if it goes to Simon Geshka, it's like he's but he's his strength is getting in breaks, you can get in breaks, so that's a strength in itself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I, I didn't mind, like they lost their leader. Um, Perez and Thomas were in all sorts of breaks, as well as Geshka, as well as Izagira, really, they were all in their breaks. Um, but they just, yeah, confidence every time they got a man near the front of 50k to go. The commentators will mention that old curse that they have of not winning the stage. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. What do they score? They're, they're slightly higher than Movistar from, from, from a budget point of view. I think Movistar are one. I think confidence are a two. Geshka's performance and and a few days. Like I gave your George Jensen a pump up. Benjamin Thomas and Anthony Perez deserve their pump up as well. So um, it's a two for for, for Simon Geshka. Yeah, I think so. He wore the polka dots for a number of number of days, and well, he wore it, it into Paris. Uh, unfortunately, he, did, he he didn't want that, but he did. Okay. Um, this meeting's going to end in ten minutes. We can just start another one and piece it all together. Bahrain. Uh, we heard rumours of them getting raided at the start of the Tour de France. It's not the way you want to start your tour. Their leader, Jack, 
their leader Jack Haig crashes out on the Roubaix stage. Toons is trying every stage, was unlucky maybe not to get in the right move and get things right. Caruso was also trying. Mohoric, your man, didn't seem like he was at the level was maybe that he was at the start of the year of the Tour de France last year. Overall, a pretty underwhelming performance by these guys. We expected a lot more. Yeah, they almost finished with a full... I mean, apart from Hagee, Caruso went out in the, in the second last stage. They had seven riders for majority of the tour. Um, seven quality riders and and you pick Fred Wright as the pick of their riders and you're looking at that team pre-race and you're like, Fred Wright's not going to be the pick of their riders. Um, and he was. like Fred Wright's got a genuine future. Looks like someone that can be good in those one-day rides. Um, Luis Leon Sanchez just said, finished 14th. Was randomly holding on to the GC group as well. Like he wanted 14th. Um, every time I saw like a Bahrain top, I'm like, geez, Caruso's might have found legs and it's Lewis Leon Sanchez. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Um, so yeah, un- underwhelming. Fred Wright could have done something for them. It's similar to George Jensen. Like Fred Wright almost got them maybe a three or a four in terms of a score, but they're right down there. They're, they're, they're budget-wise, they're at the top. Caruso, nowhere near it. It's a one. It's a one. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. FDJ, this is a, this is an interesting one to score because on on paper the results were great. It's a fourth on GC. Yes, they didn't get a stage win. Pino was very very busy. Probably just didn't have the legs. Truth be told, Kung had a had a day in that break with all the rulers. Stora had his chances. He was in the front. Madwa, your man, didn't quite get the stage win that you were you were chasing hard. But they were in the race at all times and come away with fourth. Overall, I think it's a pretty good performance. Yeah, so I, I watched FDJ closely because of the invested interest I had in Valentine Mad Madwise with the blue the blue cleats. Uh, they, if you'd like ranked riders from one to one hundred and fifty, who were the best thirty riders in the Tour de France, covering all different things, points, presence in breakaways, all sorts. They have almost five guys in the top thirty. Yeah, like. Madwa was really good. Stefan Kung was like the last man dropped who wasn't a climber in most GC times. Uh, Thibaut Pino was in breaks. David could do Michael Storer. Like these guys, they had some serious talent, but they they brought nothing home apart from <laughs> apart from this massive fourth in GC, which is a great result for Gadu. Everyone thought Gadu was probably never going to crack this top five, and he has. But one of these other guys, even Jeanette and Lagak were present. Like they had the best team. They all finished. And they couldn't get one. Mm-hmm. What do you, it's a tricky one to score. I mean, I'm probably I'm thinking it's a it's a four. It's a four as a as a minimum. Given yeah, it's a pass. The, the top five on GC is is incredible, and I think if they were handed that at the start of the tour, they would have bitten your hand off for it. Well, I mean, but, they've also had eleventh as well, and fifteenth. Yeah. yeah. And what was Madwa? He was second on at least one yep. stage. Yeah, Madwa, uh, in the stage that George Jensen crashed, we talked about Madwa came back and comes yeah. second. Yeah. And then Pino holds on to 15th, which is um, weird in itself. But It's a strong four. It's a, very, it's a very strong four. I can't I can't say anything else besides that. Yeah, they'd be kicking themselves. They, like, again, I was invested in interest. I watched them a lot. Um, they just picked the wrong breaks for the wrong people at the wrong times. Madwa yeah. was almost the best legs in the whole race, but just rode domestique duties, then picked wrong breaks, the breaks that got caught by the GC group, and then he had to 
be a domestique. Pino didn't have the legs right up. And he picked wrong breaks as well, got caught by Pog and mm-hmm. uh, crew. And then Stora in the one that he did pick was the right one, and he had no legs in that. So it was interesting, uh, but it's a four. Alperson, the main man, MVDP, he was there, but he was nowhere near his shape. He was obviously still cooked from um, from the Giro, and it showed, but they got their, their stage wins with Philipson, who in the end was clearly the quickest guy in this bike race. Uh, last yep. year, he got close in Paris, the, you know, those scenes of him crying on the shops. Many wins this year. That was a nice story, and he won that last sprint by length, so... I think they've got a, a real sprinter there who could be um, could be someone who could you know he could chalk up a number of victories in the Tour de France in the future. But for them, I think if you had have said two stages, that's a that's a five for them. It could be the worst five of all time. Like could, I'm agreeing. It could be. It's yeah, it could be. I know what you mean. Their leader was an ultra disappointment. He's my favorite athlete in the world, and he's an, it was he was ultra disappointing. Come out and said he might have just stuffed up his training program. You think like he actually didn't have legs. Um, and then the the other riders, I get they're all in support of Philipson and they screwed up a couple of stages, not being able to bring the break back um, for Philipson was clearly the best sprinter. Like he he won that by 10 metres. Grunewagen getting a full lead out, not yeah. being altered and Philipson just smacked him by 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested. Merlier is leaving. Um, so Philipson's going to have the whole tour again next year. Um I reckon he's I reckon he's number one. Maybe Jakobsen on day one when he's got full legs, Philipson loses, and hence he did. Yep. Um, but yeah, Alperson were disappointing, but they had the best sprinter in the race and he won too. So you reckon next year it's take Matthew to do his own thing, but build a team around Philipson to go for stages. Yep. Yep. I concur. Bring, bring, bring Rick Hart for one. Like he's literally like, their, their, their beef. Yeah. Yeah. Get him in. DSM, tricky one to judge. This is this is sort of your wheelhouse. It's the it's the sixth to tenth on GC, which on paper is talked about as a, as a massive result. But when you're finishing 18 minutes off the win, um, you were never really in it. He was in it at times. Bardet showed in that first big mountain stage. He was probably the third best climber, but fell away um, as as the tour went on and. And came away with six. Dan Easy didn't get close in any sort of gallop. Um, Chris Hamilton was good. I thought he, he was climbing really well. He extended his contract well, well deserved. But a sixth on GC, what does that come out in the wash as we score it? So there's excuses. Bardet was sitting fourth and going to have a great battle with Thomas for the third week. Then has a random overheating day um, and completely falls away on GC, gets himself on a break and then gets himself back up on GC um, the following day. So I don't mind that like fighting attitude and just constantly getting back on it. Um, his two climbing teammates, I'm very impressed with both of them. Andreas uh, Lechnersund, uh, the I think he's Norwegian, and Chris Hamilton, the Aussie man who gets as many plugs on a telecast on SBS I've ever seen. They literally <laughs> talk about him every 26 seconds. Yeah, um, they love Bendigo. Yeah, <laughs> on the comms. Um, they were they were they were super. They they Roman Bardet's literally got two of the most selfless domestics going around, including my boy Aaronsman, who's not here. Yeah. Um, Denise not as present. Third was his best in in stage nineteen. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to find the positives. That that's really it. 
It's a, it's a, is it a four? Is it? A, I think it's a pass. It would be stiff to give them a three. I think. No, nah, see, I reckon it's a, I reckon it's a three. Okay. So they've come. Is it seventh or six? It's seventh. It is seventh. Yeah. He was sitting fourth. It looked like he was going to go. He was sitting second, actually, at one point, wasn't he? Um, and it looked like he was going to go toe to toe with G. And then, yeah, you can't give him an excuse for a flat day and give him a better rating. Like he's had a flat day, and it'd be all right if Denise managed to pick up a sprint, or if Hamilton or Lechnerson managed to get themselves in one of the better breaks that were able to to win. Um, I'm looking at those other names, and I actually don't even remember seeing them. Yeah, it's it's a good point. I, I I didn't even know they were in the race. To be fair, so I'll stick with the four. I'll stick with the pass, and you go with the three. I'm happy to disagree on that one. Well, let me let me see what you said pre pre race. I think I had them par top ten or stage win thirty yeah, so plus stage win. So off that, but I mean, if we had known that a, a top ten was going to net you twenty four minutes down, maybe would would have had to rearrange that. Looking back, you're very easy on top 10 being a pass. You're telling me if you finish 10th, I'm going to get a par. Into Marche, uh, Christoph was sort of their man that we thought. We, we mentioned Menkes as well. We sort of had a little bit of a resurgence in form. Won a racer in the year for his, his first win in a number of years. And as we were just talking about, top 10s don't mean much, but he was top 10 in the Tour de France and, do you think this is a different sort of top 10 to Bardet's top 10? Uh, his, is, his is relatively exciting because of losing time, getting to the break, and then getting back, then holding on to top 10. Like I said, similar to Bob Youngles. Um, I kind of like the way Menkes did it, knowing that he's probably not someone who's going to really ever crack the top five without doing it like that. Yep. And he almost did horrible TT at the end. Um, <laughs> now. Relatively present, Taco Vanderhorn, Zimmerman, Pasquale, Petit, all these guys were in breaks. Kobe Goosens, Christoph uh, was seen at every sprint finish, but just was absolutely cooked at all of them. So he could never really finish off, apart from Champs de Lisse, where he comes third. Um, interesting performance. Like they're, they're similar to DSM, but Bardet beats him. So is it technically a two? It probably is. Yeah. I think they get they get at least a three from me. If you're just for being present, yeah. just for being busy, being present, being a top ten on that res, on that top ten on the result sheet, it looks good. Of course, if Taco wins that stage, it probably it probably bumps him up to a five at least. But he doesn't. Um, so yeah, that's it's probably a three. It's probably a three for me. Weirdly, their presence was there because the Menkes wasn't good at getting in breaks and then would try and get to breaks after they're established. So then they had like a team TT yep. to get Menkes in the break. So it was kind of cool to watch. Um, but, it, but it was off the back of them probably struggling at the, at the start. Christoph and Denise both get a third in a sprint. So they're very similar, these two teams. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Astana. This was, this was a grim outing. Again... Pretty much everyone we're talking about from fifth to tenth, yes, it's a top ten, but it's all just yucky sort of top ten stuff. Lutsenko comes in with a ninth on GC. Never really saw him in the GC group, to be fair. Um, ultra disappointing, this this performance from Astana. 
It's just like they actually got better from our last podcast. So rest day two, it was catastrophic. It was honestly like, are they in the race? Then Litsenko started riding like really, really well. Unfortunately, picked his times horribly wrong. They were when Pog and uh, Vinegard were putting on a show, which was basically the whole last week anyway. So it was hard to do anything in the last week yeah. if you're a climber. Um, so Litsenko was kind of cool to watch at the end. But apart from Fabio Fellini spewing up on the on, on the telecast, <laughs> um, Joe Dombrowski maybe in a couple of breaks. I can't really remember. And then Ria Beshenko, I think I said that right, seems like he's a Russian athlete, managed to get in the stage 19 break. And the commentary was absolutely baffled uh, that he literally had done nothing for 18 days and decided to get in the break. Yeah, yeah, they're almost the closest thing to a zero, but the top 10 GC gets them back up to one. That's... That was a pour outing. It's all it, it, you can you can argue that it's a two because he's top ten GC, but it's a pour outing. It's a poor top ten. Again, the, this team is a little bit in a similar boat to Movie Star. Like traditionally, a, a big team, well funded, had big results in the past. But you just look at their lists and you just don't know where the big results going to come from. No, well, it's 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 nibbly, but like really, is it nibbly? Like. <laughs> It's not nibbly at the same time. Like it's nibbly, but it's not. Um, it is Letsenko, but Letsenko has got to do the the Youngles Menkes tactic. He's got to lose time earlier. Yeah, he's got to get in the break, and then he's got to hold on to top ten that way. It's a better way of doing it. Was Mikel Angel Lopez in the press for drug trafficking as well recently? Yeah, starting to come um, out and said they had no idea uh, that this was happening. So glad that they uh, kept themselves distant from Mikel Angel Lopez and his. And he's drug trafficking. I didn't. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Interesting times ahead for them. EF, always going to get a lot of talk about EF in Tour de France. They released their team sheet last. They have a new kit. They have a skateboard sponsor involved. They got Magnus Court talking about whipping his dick out in the shower. Like, they just get busy at Tour time. And, yep. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an exciting team. And at the same time, they went out and won a stage with Magnus Court had the polka dots for the first couple of days. They were they were busy when they need to be busy. And I think the stage win is, is probably what they came for. Everything they wanted to do didn't happen. They wanted Rigoberta Uran, Ruben Guerrero and Stefan Bissica to be their big three. Bissica to come strong in TTs, Guerrero to be this white jersey, young hope, and Rigoberta Uran to finish in GC. Yeah. And none of that happened. Betsy O and Magnus Court were their men with Paulus playing a little role, being present in breaks, if he can't beat Gesture in a King of the Mountains, I don't think Paulus is ever going to be a GC man that uh, everyone's saying he might be. But um, exciting. Like, I'm a, I was EF's biggest, biggest criticizer after the Giro and was worried about what we're going to get in the tour. But Rigo found his legs in the third week as well. That was a little bit better to watch. I hate seeing Rigo struggle. He actually seemed, out of all the GC guys that have bad days, Rigo's bad days are horrific. They are. Yep. Um, court was great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching EF. What do you give him? Because I had them to, to get par as, as two stages. And, and looking back, when when nine stages go to two teams, it doesn't leave a whole lot for everyone else. So yeah. I'm probably going to have to recalibrate that and probably give him a par for, for the stage. Well, if you look, Paris-Roubaix, Paris and Court, uh, the Paris-Roubaix stage, Paris, stage five, Paris and Court are both in that five-man break. Um, so that's a chance gone missing. Paris gained a lot of time then. 
um, but didn't get it. Betiol dropped Matthews on Matthews' climb and didn't get it. Yeah, Betiol was great throughout the whole tour. Um, so it, it's definitely a pass. It's it's almost a five because Magnus Court held that polka dots for for so long, um, and then Paulus almost took it to Paris. Um, yeah, it's a four. It's almost a five. Yeah, I'll give him a four. Akea, Samsic, Nairo, Pritua. Again, this we had him as a top ten as a pass. They achieved that. He was busy. At, at times, he was looking like he was probably the third best climber in the race when the altitude went up above 2,000 metres. Got pretty, well, I was going to say he got close-ish to a stage win. Um, the stage that Vingegaard, the first stage Vingegaard won, Pogi uh, imploded. He had a nice little gap there. So he was good at times, but again, just one of those top 10s that was not really a top 10. Um, but a good performance overall from Nairo. Rolled the clock, clock, clock back a little bit and um, gave, gave some hope for Arkea. I think, uh, especially when they see what King of Mountains points Vingegaard has won on, uh, Bargui, Thibaut Pinot, Pierre Latour, these guys would be kicking themselves that they just didn't work it out better in that second week. Everyone just thought third week is where you win King of the Mountains. You get in some of these breaks that just go, but the breaks didn't go, so they didn't get the points. Yep. Um, they'd be kicking themselves that they just didn't attack this a little bit earlier. I know Bargui ends up leaving the tour um, after a miraculous stage where he almost held on when Nero, when Naro actually chased him down. Um, but yeah, look. Top 10 GC, again, and it's a pro Conti team. But Alperson aren't there. Total Energies aren't there. B&B definitely aren't there. So mm-hmm. they're the best of the pro Contis. Do you give them a four? Is it a pass? Yeah, I do. Yep. I, I, I do on budget, yeah. Okay, sure. Next team off the, uh, off the... Yeah, well, I don't know where to start with this. Lotto, I mean... Really, really disappointing tour. Really disappointing yeah. tour. I know we have some some connections to Caleb on this tour. Um, Alex was on the Grand Prix tour, so he was he was you know not giving us a whole lot. But this is super disappointing. This is a zero. There's no doubt about it. Didn't even get close. Caleb tried on stage 19, 21, but just didn't have the legs, unfortunately. Um, the, the stage that I would have liked to have seen and he looked really good was when they were chasing and then he crashed on that random left-hander. Um, never got back on. Break never got caught. And they had no one else doing anything. Tim Wellens was there doing bits and pieces but clearly wasn't in his best shape and it was all a big mess. They're going to have a, a big review here because this is, a, this is a zero. Did they have a top 10? No, I don't know who they're. It's a weird. It is a weird trade of Caleb's when he's not going to win. He doesn't. He doesn't ride. Um, he might. Oh, maybe on a was it stage? Oh, I'll check. Maybe in that first week he might have. He might have got a maybe. top ten. But yeah, they. I, I was praising the team they brought in because they were covering all bases um, with Cron, Florian Vermeesh, Tim Wellens. These sort of guys can get out there and maybe do something, but. Cron wasn't the Cron that I thought he was. Wellens wasn't the Wellens. He certainly can be. Vermish was strong, but was limited. Probably had to ride with Caleb to get him over the hills. Yeah. Um, if you are all in with Caleb, so these guys are waiting back with Caleb. Wellens is waiting back with Caleb. If you're all in with Caleb, maybe do just bring him the sprint train. Because yeah. you're wasting these guys anyway. Like maybe just bring him the sprint train and then he can 
basically whoever had a sprint train won in in the end. Like apart from Grunewagen's little stage win that he got, sprint trains won. So if Caleb had it and Caleb was in a lot of mess every time, um, I know we're pro Caleb and we still think he's, if not the best sprinter, he's probably like Damar, Jakobsen and Philipson have got a good form at the moment, but he's not far off him. Mm-hmm. Um, and no Juro win apart from Thomas against little stage win and then no tour win. It's, it's, it's scary for Lotto. They're like this new point system. They're, they're, they're now with Israel and bike exchange picking up wins. Like it's scary for Lotto. I will make a, a slight defense for Caleb. He, he was given a team that wasn't going to provide a whole lot of assistance for him in the sprints. His last man was Yenzi Van Rensburg, who he's never raced with, who's a, who's a good rider, but when you want your last man leading you out, you want to have that little bit of connection there and that wasn't there. So he was sort of he was sort of given a team. It's like, there you go. Yeah, they're riding for you, but really there's no connection there. So I'll give him that, but a ninth and an eighth were his, were his two best results. So really disappointing from them and they're really going to have to go back to the drawing board and, and come up with some victories late in the season or they're going to get in that relegation zone. I do, I do apologise because pre-tour I said I like how they've gone more balanced. But now I just, if you're taking Caleb anywhere, don't go balanced. Yeah. And just, I mean, we, are, we, we do love our Caleb. Just to unha- not help the situation, his young little 19-year-old sprinter for Lotto goes and picks up a win uh, in some Belgium stage race. Uh, Deli is that his name? So there's going to be. They might have been taking him to the Volta. Paul uh, Caleb might not be fit for the Volta anyway. He's getting shoulder up or something. But yeah, um, yeah, that doesn't help the situation for Caleb. To zero trek. They were on their way for a zero. Yeah, well, you can rely on one bloke to chop him out, and it was it was Pedersen, and then he got his tail right up. He had the the team chasing. Full gas. Then I think it might have even been the next day when they dropped a lot of sprinters on that Cat Four. I think it was Bokamolama dropping everyone. Yep. Um, they couldn't get rid of Philipson, unfortunately. But um, they got their stage win. I think the path for them was to win one stage. So they delivered. That's all they had to do. Yeah, they had had probably one of the best young performers of the tour in Quinn Simmons. Um, mm. Was really active. Jaconi can't beat Geshka in a heads up King of the Mountains battle is a little bit worrying. And Jaconi had help. Like Geshka was out there doing it on his own. Like Jaconi had these guys going full gas in breaks for him. Like it yeah. just seems weird that these guys can't beat Geshka. Something happened. Geshka must be, we're underselling Geshka. Um, Pedersen looked like the best rider in the race for about three or four days there. Yeah. Um, around when he won his stage, and then he was randomly sticking with GC groups up climbs, being the last sprint he <laughs> dropped. Like, I love it when people do that when they're in form, just to show they're in form. Yeah. Um, and then Jasper Stoyven was their was their bunch man for the last stage. I think Pedersen hit a bit of illness and gets a fourth on the Champs de Lisa. So Jasper on you. Yeah. Um, what do you have him for par? Was it was uh, it one stage? Par was just the one stage we had in brackets. Pedersen, Ciccone, or Stoyven were our were our tips. So. Like gone said, and done it. Like I said before, when there's not a whole lot to go around between the rest of the teams to 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 get a stage and um, yeah, tick that off. It's it's a par. Yep. Total energy's disappointing. We had him down for par as as a stage. We thought Sargon with his form, winning in Swiss, that he he was a chance. And there were times where he looked good, where it looked like he might be in that form to at least compete, but he didn't really really come close 
Yeah, there was some, I mean, there were some stories early on in the tour where Boyce and Hagen could have potentially got in yellow, which would have been, oh, honestly, that would have been amazing. Yeah. If the veteran had got himself in yellow, he was quite close to potentially doing it. Um, but apart from that, like Pierre Latour not being able to beat Geshka in a, in a in King of the Mountains when he was clearly going for it, like going full out gas for one point and then getting dropped from the like uh, <laughs> dropped from the breakaway, like weird. Pierre Latour's a weird rider, always has been. Yeah. Um, Sargon rode like Sargon, finishing fifth, sixth, um, a lot. Um, maybe the tour was not for him. Maybe, maybe the Volta, like Magnus Court, shown a lot of success in the Volta. Maybe it's yeah. something more down Peter Sargon's alley now. But they weren't the worst pro Conti team, but they certainly weren't the best. Did they get a? Did they get a one? I think so. I, I, I don't want to be harsh on low budget teams. I think Pierre Latour being showing something in King of the Mountains makes me a little bit more energy and having Peter Sagan finishing top 10 in, I'd say, six sprints um, is not a bad effort, but, yeah, it's a one. Yep. Israel, Premier Tech, this is a team that we probably thought were going to be copping the zeros, maybe the ones if they were lucky. We had them down as a top 10 for Fulksang would, would be par. Um, Jakob was doing some weird shit in, early in the tour going in breakaways with Van Aert. Um, don't know what all that was about, but in the end, they come away with two two stage wins. One on that Paris Roubaix stage with Simon Clark, and then Hugo Hull, who was in the move when Pedersen won. So he was obviously in some good nick. Had Michael Woods in that in that um, that breakaway too. Finished one three. Two Canadian boys. That's it's a five. It's at least a five for them to get two stage wins out of this Tour de France. I'm not sure who's fourth. So Yumba, UAE, Ineos are the top three. I'm not sure who's fourth. It's like Bike Exchange, Israel, Alperson and Quickstep. I'm not as excited by their we races. Expected, even though we expected that. Yeah, I think Israel and Bike Exchange are really tossing up between them two and maybe EF is who's come fourth in this tour. And I think it's Israel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite comical. So Chris Froome looks like... Top 10 best climber in the race in that second week. Yep. Um, like, which is really good for him, really good for the investment they put in that he's actually on TV. Michael Woods would have won the stage, Hugo Hull won, uh, but played the team role and then looked pretty good in that third week. Hugo Hull wins the stage, amazing story. I didn't even know who this rider was. Um, Simon Clark, a veteran, great Australian story. Similar story to Hugo Hull, like two really good veteran type, 10 years without a win type stories. Um, and they didn't do it if Jakob Fugzang without firing a shot, who we thought was their only hope. Like, it's pretty cool. Well done, Israel. Credit yeah. to you. Is it, a, is it a five or do you want to give him a six? I can tell you, I can tell uh, you, you flipped on these boys. You're really on them now. Yeah, I mean, if Goldstein had a one a stage, if he was here and he had a one a stage, it's definitely a seven. But um, no, it's 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 a I think they're, they're five. Biker Change were next. They're five. EF, they're five. Like they, they're all just fives. Yeah. Bike exchange, just moving on to them now. We had for them as a par for two stages. We had, we had Grunewagen thinking that he'd be the, uh, you know, probably the quickest guy there. Um, didn't, you know, didn't really turn out that way, but he got his stage win. And then Michael Matthews was, uh, was looking super strong. Nick Schultz got really close the day. Bangers caught one. Um, but, yeah, for Matthews to win that stage the way he did, I think that's something that they can really look forward to in the future, him going into those breaks and turning into that 
sort of Leonard Kamnar sort of breakaway specialist on the really tough days because he can climb with with anyone really besides the GC guys and his his sprint's always going to be as good as anyone in a finish. So he can become a, a breakaway specialist and for them, two stage wins, Nick Schultz getting mighty close. They're, they're back in the good books with us. A lot of things worked well for them. Michael Matthews being one of the guys to win a stage really helped Spike Exchange. Like he's their pinup boy. All of a sudden, like everyone's back on Michael Matthews. I'm back on Michael Matthews. I've, to be fair, I never really left him. I do, I do love Michael Matthews, but everyone's back on the bling train. I, I, it's the perfect guy you needed to win a stage like he won. It was almost the best performance on a stage outside of these big names. Um, Schultz, I reckon Matt White is underrated. Yes, he's Australian and he's got good fluent English, so he's easy to listen to in terms of cycling DSs. But he just... He calls things really well and has like a really nice read. So Schultz doesn't go in any of these breaks in the third week when we think he should because he's clearly the best legs outside of the GC guys. Yeah. But White, I think Matt White knows the break ain't winning. So he just says to Schultz, you're best off going to get a top 10 and just sitting with the GC group. Yeah. And that's, that's yep. what he did. He, he tested his legs out. He showed what he's got for future tours or vaulters or all sorts, and he just stayed with GC. It didn't even look like he wanted to get in the breaks in those weeks, and I found that astonishing, but I, I just think they've got a great DS. Um, and, yeah, you're lucky Grunewagen probably wasn't the quickest, probably wasn't even in the top three, but the stage he won, that ticks off that. And, yeah, away they go. What do you reckon about Nick Schultz? Because, yeah, you're right, he was, he was climbing in the top six or seven guys, maybe even higher at times in that last week, does a good TT in 16th. Do you reckon that was a little bit of a feeler for what it's like to do GC? It was. It, I mean, it's there's a lot of guys in and around Nick Schultz that certainly can do what, um, like Lucas. Lucas has had his crack at it and seems like he can do it. Um, similar to Schultz, um, Damien Housen. Like there's there, there's some guys who can climb. Um, obviously Simon Yates. They're pot committed. They've just signed another three years. Simon Yates is looking for his number one domestique, and Schultz could be that man. Yeah. Um, judging by, he, he literally can be in the last 10. And if you have a domestique in the last 10, we've seen how handy that is. Like, Gadu got fourth based on having domestiques near him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Schultz, he's put himself in a good spot. I want to see that more. I want to see more guys just being, you know, being happy to hitch their wagon to a GC rider. We saw Mark Renshaw make a living out of it to say, yep, I'm Cavs man. I want to see some more guys like Schultz just commit themselves to Yates and be like, yep, I'm your man for three years. Wherever you go, I'm going to be there and, and carve a career out of it. Renshaw's now got a bike store and commentates on SBS. Exactly. You know, look at him. Look Isn't further. that what you want? <laughs> uh, so what is it? It's a five for them. A strong five. It's a five. Yeah. It's a good five. It's a good five. I think, at the, again, same again, we've got to recalibrate with the nine stages going to two teams. So if you get two stages, strong five. Last team. Schultze wins and it's a six. Oh, Schultze wins and it's a, almost a seven. Could be. Because they, they're taking no GC. Like, stage wins is what they want. And the yeah. takeaway three. Oh. Last team, B&B Hotels. The criteria for them, let's remind everyone, to get a par was be busy, get combativity awards on stages. Did they... And they couldn't achieve, even tick that off. That? <laughs> So Bonamar, who was like the, the shining light of last year's tour, was in all sorts of breaks, won the combative prize, I'm pretty sure. He doesn't have the legs, doesn't fire, doesn't really fire a shot. Um, and that's okay. That's that's one. 
Lecoq and Mazzato, and I love my Italian sprinters. French Lecoq, I'm not as confident on, but Mazzato, these guys actually finish in all of the top tens of the bunch sprints. So, like, they're good. Lecoq finishes six on uh, the final stage, the Champs-Élysées. So that's that's cool. Pierre Roland does nothing. Gouchard does not much. Schronberger actually was hanging on to GC weirdly for a little bit. He was their GC guy. It's a weird team. I've I looked into them a lot because I didn't want to give them a one. And I managed to get them to a two. But it's it's hard. Oh, okay, where, of what where, they, where do they get their points? Where do they get them from? They get their points on two sprinters constantly finishing in top tens. Okay. Should they have brought two sprinters? I don't know who else is on their list. Could they have brought someone who could have potentially been someone who went with Hugo Hull on that stage? Like the Croc and Mazzato were good. They were cool to watch. B&B always had two guys finish top 10 pretty much. Okay. I'm, I'm happy Sorry, with I'm, that. No, on- I'm not happy with it. It's a one. Listen, Caleb Ewan had two top 10s. And that was as good as it got for, for Lotto. So if- Caleb Ewan's on $5 million. LaCroc's on a stake and a pot post his six. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I think. We've, we've, we can almost get into a two. Okay. A, a seventh and a sixth for uh, LaCroc. That's yeah, cool. LaCroc's DS would have been sitting there post his, post his six on the Champs de say, Well done, mate. The pot and Palmer is on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two. It's a two for them. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of end of the teams. Generally, thoughts on the on the Tour de France. I think uh, it was funny because in the first week, everyone was saying this is going to be a boring tour. Pogi's going to go and just torch everyone, and then maybe the same thing was being said in the third week. It was a little bit boring. Jumbo were too strong, and and Vingegaard was too strong. People people <laughs> can't have it both ways. But overall, I think it was probably one of the better tours that I've I've seen in the last four, five, six years. Amazing tour. There's, I mean, there's bits that I would love to improve. Um, a third team makes that so much more interesting. Yep. Um, unfortunately, not there. Points was over in week one. Mm-hmm. White jersey was over in week one. Uh, yellow was between two riders by the end of week one. Um, so King of the Mountains was really the only live thing. And it seemed like the five people going for it had no legs. Like, it was just... That was a bit lackluster. But in terms of Van Aert, McNulty, Pog, Vinegard, Sepkus, Durant Thomas, that battle was sensational. And the fact that Netflix was in the Yumbo bus mm-hmm. yep. has got me so excited. Like, I want to see what they're saying to Woot Van Aert before every stage because it had us going crazy. Like, what is Yumbo doing? Like, they need Woot Van Aert more than ever to be by Vinegard's side. But then yep. put him in the break. Like it's it was and then he works in the break as well. It doesn't doesn't yeah. just sit in the back like McNulty did that day. He got in the break. Um, that's it. So from that aspect, watching five of the best riders of the Tour de France just go head to head the whole time. Two of them being from two of the same team. If that makes sense. So Pog and McNulty, and then uh, Van Aert and Vinegard, and then G yeah. just randomly sitting there in between. That's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. But the other stuff would have been cool to see a green jersey battle. It was, yeah, there were times there when Wout Van Aert was going up the road and you thought this guy's just going rogue and maybe he's got his own agenda. But when you saw him congratulate Vingegaard after the time trial and he was quite emotional, you thought, all right, this is, you know, that's not about him winning the stage. That was about Vingegaard winning the tour. You could tell then 
but he was really invested in that in that team the whole time and to not sprint on the shonks I think just shows again he could have he could have gone and won that stage I think yeah um so where do uh where do UAE go what do they do to to come back and win next year uh, they just go all in again they probably bring Almeida this time um is my gut feel you're paying a guy good money I get he can go win a different tour for you maybe I don't know we watched him in the jury he wasn't that good um Hopefully George and Soler and uh, Micah stay on their bikes and stay COVID-free and they just have another crack. Yeah. Um, don't bring Mark Hershey. Like They just bring a full wow. team for Paul. Um, Yumbo just strap in and do it all again. Maybe Rog. <laughs> Rog does go to Ineos and Rowan Dennis comes into that team and all of a sudden Rowan Dennis is probably in GC groups pulling like that. Imagine if Rowan Dennis was there and not Van Hoyting, if you actually think that's what they wanted. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Ineos, hopefully they do get wrong in those trade rumours, but Bernal, Pidcock, these sort of guys can have a few more years in their legs. And then we have maybe this three-prong attack. Yeah. And then the Frenchmen can fight each other, Gadu and Bardet and whatnot. It feels like the UAE is, is a bit like... Uh, I've, just got, I've just got housekeeping. Give us two seconds. Yeah. I was just going to say, UAE feel a little bit like that, that good footy team that just has a really sort of poor quality bottom six. You know what I mean? They've got some real good stars, but it just seems they lack a little bit of depth and they got found out depth-wise in this year's tour. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't have a Van Art. I'm pretty sure. Like, they've, <laughs> I've, I've done a little bit of math, so I'm not sure if Van Art's there. Like, go get Vanderpoel. <laughs> How yeah. cool would that be? Imagine that. That, that, would, that would take it to them. But um, I still reckon it's the, it's the big three teams. Bahrain hopefully brings something better and light up the stages is what they did last tour. Uh, but these these big teams at the top, they've got big budgets, um, expected to get better and better and better. Um, I hope Jai comes to, to, to the tour next year because apparently, and I'm not big on uh, actual numbers and what it's actually like in climbing, but apparently Jai is like a vineyard, someone who's a pure climber. Yep. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that's if that's true. Um, and yeah. Well, let's look forward to it. Um, thanks again, Max, for the wrap. Appreciate your time. And um, I'm not sure when we'll be on next, but uh, we'll have our... Our host and Clements back hopefully after his after his trip in Italy and um, we might come back with something at the at the welter, I'm guessing. Well, I might be able to get us something on site. I'm actually I'm organizing uh, with a teammate. Uh, we're gonna go ride a few of these French Alp climbs that have just recently been ridden in the tour. Maybe yeah, even nice. pop over to the Stelvio, uh, because we're gonna go to Milan and watch Il Lombardi. Okay. Uh, Lombardio or what however you say it. Um, so that's that's on the card. So I might be able to do a live report from the Fifth Monument. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Maybe Michael Matthews could be could be a chance to win that. Possibly. All right. Well, thanks for that, Max, and um, all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks, Canberra.